kind of like you know like the doomsday book and you know some of the movies i don't know it was a dr strange love you know how yeah. you know they had that backup plan pulling out the book and right looking through it every time i've tried to establish one of those it's just it's all gone to shit every time hmm. and it wasn't the implementation of it it wasn't that i i couldn't get it started i'd always write that book in my mind or you know even come up with my own journals or just regiments I've, I've always followed it through and through, but I found myself meeting a burnout. Welcome to the Sage Warrior Gentleman podcast, where we explore the three facets of the modern man and discuss leadership, chivalry, and style so that you can continue to bring your best to the world. Hi, I'm Jeff Hendrickson, and through impactful subjects and in interviews with men I've known and worked with in various industries over the years, you'll learn some valuable lessons about modern men and their struggles and triumphs. Today, I have the great pleasure of interviewing my friend Aaron Boyle, a well-rounded, classically trained professional musician and accomplished bartender. Aaron Boyle works to implement and stretch his creativity gained and matured in the music world to the hospitality industry. As the current bar manager for Walnut Hills Comfort Station, one of Esquire Magazine's top 27 bars in America for 2021, Aaron works on leadership through education by fostering support and positivity among the staff and ensuring that each employee feels confident in their personal creativity and ownership. He is a certified Cicerone with over a decade of home and craft brewing experience. On top of his experience with beer, he is a seasoned bartender with enough creativity and confidence to experiment and create killer cocktails unlike any others. He was a 2013 gold medalist at the Cincinnati Winter Beer Fest, winning in the IPA and Best of USA categories. He has been a finalist in both the 2021 Cincinnati Alchemy Fest and the 2019 Copper and King Mixtape Competition. Out from behind the bar, Aaron is a professionally trained trumpet player, having graduated from the New England Conservatory of Music with a Bachelor of Music and received a full ride to the University of Cincinnati's College Conservatory of Music Master's Program. He has performed with the Siam Philharmonic of Thailand, Harvard Baroque Society, Richmond Symphony, Victor Paz Big Band, the Columbus, Indiana Philharmonic, the Ohio Light Opera, and the Dayton Philharmonic, as well as having taught as a guest teacher at the Danilo Perez Fundacion in Panama. Aaron was also invited to study at the Hochschule für Musik und Theater München. This brought him the honor to perform with orchestras throughout Germany, as well as the Salzburg Philharmoniker in Austria. When he's not fostering community at Comfort Station, you can find him on one of Cincinnati's many public golf courses or at any of the great bars in the area. He can also be found in the kitchen, experimenting with ingredients for delicious late-night meals and new concoctions for the bar. All right, so hey there. We are on with uh, Aaron Boyle. Aaron, how you doing today, man? Hey, Jeff. I'm doing good. How are you, bud? I'm great. Thank you very yeah. much for coming up. Yeah, so thanks for having me. You're welcome, man. I've been wondering. You know what? Actually, I'm really glad you reminded me about this because <laughs> it had slipped my mind. So when I was in the other night and you said, "Hey, when are we going to do it?" I'm like, "Oh yeah. yeah, okay, all right." Yeah, I remember you telling me about it and having you know like these these talks and, and not necessarily I don't know like your typical podcast. You know, I think it was pretty cool and I was excited when you when you first told me. Neat, neat, neat. Good deal. 
So uh, the way we start this off is always you're going to tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you are. We're in Cincinnati, right? So uh, now if you've listened to some of the other podcasts, most of those people were all uh, remote and we were doing across across the internet using Zoom, but Aaron lives right here in Cincinnati with me, so I asked him to come up and sit with me here and my new two mic setup. It looks good. Yeah, that thanks. good, everybody. Thanks, man. So, all right, Aaron, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where to start? Uh, well, I'm Cincinnati homegrown. Um, I would say that, you know, I mean, the way you and I met from, you know, this past year through the bartending life. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm in the Cincinnati cocktailing scene, bartending scene, I guess you'd call it. Uh, place I work at is called Comfort Station, the bar manager there. Uh, within a company called, you know, Circle Hospitality. That's basically what I've been doing, especially post-COVID. Uh, my prior life before that was, you know, musician playing in orchestras. So um, some of that took the back seat, mm. uh, especially when, you know, you're, the, you're what your prime audience in an orchestra, you know, or septuagenarians, <laughs> octogenarians, you know, <laughs> the prime candidates. Uh, so I... Uh, I found I found myself, you know, kind of adhering to a job that I had to just kind of like get me through college. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, starting my master's just up the street here at, at University of Cincinnati at the conservatory there. So it was, I thought it was a hell of a lot better than Ubering. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm just, you know, trumpet player. Uh, been lucky to, you know, meet a lot of people, travel the world, and also kind of get into this whole cocktailing scene and also meet a lot of characters because i would hopefully say become a character myself you know <laughs> uh, something yeah. we can all aspire to right yeah we can all aspire to it. become yeah. a character yeah yeah whether you want to be drawn up or <laughs> in a caricature or, you know just be one yourself live it up and you know I, I i can still remember the day we met too uh i came into comfort station and started talking to lauren and we had just started talking about Alchemy Fest then, yeah. so we'll, we'll get into Alchemy Fest a little bit later on too, but yeah. I just started talking about Alchemy Fest. She told me that she wanted to, to help, just, you know, help me make sure that I was taking care of certain things that I might not, and she and I had a phone call every week. And All the ins say, and outs and exactly, little bits exactly. and bobs that you exactly. wouldn't expect. Yeah. Did you do this yet? Yep, did that. Did you do this? <sighs> I forgot to do that. Okay, <laughs> you got to get that taken care of. Uh, but at any rate, I, we were in there, and she called you over and introduced us, yeah. and I, I'll never forget. You came over and sat right down next to me, uh, and you and I started talking, and I thought, uh, this is a cool dude, man. Well, there's one thing that happened before that, which, which cracked me up, and I'm not sure if you remember, because... It was it was a Sunday. I wasn't working. I I I'd, well, I I was. I just happened to be in the building, kind of taking right. care of some things. Right. And I remember hearing you know Lauren's cackle, you know, around the corner and whatnot. I just you know walked by the bar, and I just remember her saying, "He'll do it." It's like, do what? You know. That's right. And she's like, "Oh yeah, this is Jeff. You know, Alchemy Fest. <laughs> You're going to be competing. Alchemy Here you are, bud." Yeah. It, it was a great conversation. It was a great first meeting. Like, I got I got yeah. to say. Yeah, and you did compete. I did, and you did very well. And that, I, 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 I still, you know, I, a little bit of regret that I didn't come over and grab that Bloody Mary that you had <laughs> made because you poured me a whole glass of I that. Poured you a whole glass, and I was just uh, heading outside. Everybody and- gets the sample. The host gets the whole <laughs> glass. Yeah. 
That's and all right. Then, and then Byron ended up drinking it. Byron did drink it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That oh, was a good time. Uh, by the way, I mean, kudos to you for having your own, uh, have your own competition, having your own. I, well, it wasn't necessarily just like competition. I've, I've been in a couple cocktail competitions and I, I guess much to my, always to my surprise, I've found myself in later rounds. But they were, again, all mainly bartender or cocktail-oriented. It wasn't that. Yours, it had it. It was, it was a facet of this whole alchemy fest in itself with that live music, the art, the people kind of gathering. I would say it was probably the cocktail competition was a great excuse and reason for people to kind of come together, shoot the shit, make some fun drinks. But it was, you know, less so about... I don't know, maybe like the pretense that you kind of get sometimes with mm. certain competitions. I mean, not to not to shit on them or anything. You know, it's, it's just sometimes it just comes with it. Yeah. I mean, you came you come from an arts background. I come from that conservatory background. It's it's easy to kind of get into, you know, the the heady part of it all. To yeah, I guess I guess I don't know. And it, it, it's it's something I had wanted to do for a while. I had approached the guys at arts about it like three years ago, like back after they opened, because I was making the bitters, of course. Yeah. And they started using the bitters, which is kind of how I got to know them, because I told you I moved into the Mohawk building. Yeah. So the guy that owned the Mohawk building also bought that building that Arts is in now, along with the ice cream factory in a package. Okay. And they bought an... They bought a building and an ice cream factory and yeah. a, a, pa- a, pa- a two-for-one deal. <laughs> exactly. That's the weirdest thing I've ever Okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it is. And i got to tell you, that, that, the building that the ice cream factory is in yeah. is amazing. Is it? Yeah. yeah. I, he's having a hard time trying to figure out what to do with it. But, Tim, mm-hmm. if you're listening, sorry, man, but, I, you know. Yeah. So, I, at any rate, um, when I was thinking about moving into the building, I said, man, you know, I think this could be pretty cool. Yeah. And she goes, well, you, you might also be interested. We've just, we're opening a bar. We've got a soft opening coming in just like three weeks right now. And, of course, I had to say, well, hmm, that's pretty cool because I make cocktail bitters. So that could be a pretty good match. It was a a perfect marriage. I mean, and not like, well, I mean, yeah, also, I mean, yeah, making your own bitters using, hey, I'm going to test out and see what people are thinking. Mm -hmm. And I get to see it firsthand. You know, that's that's really cool. That's really fun. Not, Not many people, you know, not many people go that route. You know, like I'm the bitters man of Cincinnati. You know, like not, not, not many people sit there and think like, I gotta aspire to that. But you know, you're you're a Renaissance man. You yeah. you, do, you do many many things. Yeah. Well, I, I I'm having fun. You know, and and I'm not getting any younger. And when I when I move back to Cincinnati again this time, one of the one of the primary thoughts in my head was, say yes to as many things as you can. Yeah. Right. Try not to say no to too many things. Now, I've, I've had to I've had to sift a few things out because there are definitely things that I want to concentrate on in 2022. Right. Um, but yeah, Alchemy Fest was was so much fun, so much fun meeting you guys and just watching you compete and seeing how all the people related to you. And, you know, since since we know each other in, in, in that life, anytime I'm thinking about going out. I'm texting you and yeah. asking you if you're working, right? Yeah, I and I, you know that's like the fun thing of Cincinnati being, you know, small enough to navigate that way socially without you know having yeah. your like little niches. Like you said, living in New York for yourself. When I was living in Boston and hell, like even in Munich, granted my German wasn't so great at the time, but there's always like little pockets in neighborhoods. So it's 
to traverse from one side to another, you know, you need that, you need that one inlet, that one meeting, you know? Yeah. But Cincinnati, Cincinnati offers that. Um, I mean, not only do we have, I mean, yeah, everybody, you know, talking up my neighborhood and city, but Cincinnati has this nice, like quaint collective of people, a lot of expats from all around, a lot of retirees that have found themselves wanting to be here in a walkable city. But my God, I mean, Jeff, I know that you wouldn't even, how long have you been in Cincinnati for now? Well, if you count all the, this, this is my third time living back in Cincinnati. So if you add all that up, I've been here three years. Okay. So in those three years over that time, I know that you can definitely, uh, you know, affirm this. And that is over a short span of time, whether you call it gentrification or I don't know, we'll call it, I, I think a little bit too is the expansion of like a little conservative mindset here in Cincinnati. We have great bars, great restaurants, the architecture and everything that we have, which, you know, like I found out a few years ago when I started working downtown, mm-hmm. uh, I had no idea that over the Rhine was the most architecturally intact neighborhood that UNESCO protects. Yes. And it's right. only just like what I two know. square miles? I, yeah, if even that, probably. It's, it, right about it's that. crazy. Yeah. Most yeah. people when they leave, like, well, we're talking, you know, prohibition, you know, so everybody leaves. At that time, there was like eighty some odd working breweries down here, distilleries, right. and right, everybody just leaves. Something and like something like seventy thousand people lived in OTR back then. Just yeah. Now now side, there are eight thousand people. Yeah. Well, I mean, looking out your window here, you have Central, which used to be a canal. From there, yeah, yeah. we're talking in a two, two and a half miles square. Rate. Yeah, seventy, eighty thousand people. Yeah, that's impressive. But I mean, I digress. I mean, what I'm saying is, Cincinnati just has this very compact, big city feel in a very small space. You know? Yeah, and you can kind of get the best of both worlds, and you know meeting each other at one spot which we're not in cincinnati well we're cincinnati like you know uh prefect i suppose but walnut hills it's its own mm-hmm. little town it's a little city not too far but yeah there's 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 always a great meeting ground you can't you can't not run into somebody here that you know <laughs> right <laughs> borderline incestuous feel you know but you know you you know yeah my god what do they say like the cardinal sin of you know being a bartender i somebody was telling me this yesterday what they said oh you have to watch the last episode of the simpsons and i was like i well, i don't think what season are they on like you know 30 something i've no i've no idea and you know he was telling me a good regular become a good friend of course how it happens mm-hmm. sitting there smoking a cigarette and he's yeah just watch the last episode it's about a bartender, uh, you know, committing the cardinal sin of sleeping with a regular <laughs> or something, <laughs> you know. And I was like, well, you don't, you don't have to feel that when you're in Cincinnati, you know. Like you don't have to do any of that. It's just all so close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it just it gives you opportunity to create some like really good friendships and yep. good relationships, you know, if you if you treat it that way. You know? Yeah, it does. And I, I kind of learned that at the very beginning. For whatever reason, I decided to start having cocktail parties. Yeah. When I was here before, and and kind of because of some of the people I started meeting through through arts. Yeah. But also just, I, I honestly don't even remember how I met some of these people. But we would have these cocktail parties. Because <laughs> you're drinking, John. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't remember either. <laughs> well, I, I started having these cocktail parties and inviting these people. And people would be coming over to me and saying, I didn't know you knew such and such. Like, she's the cousin of my best friend. Or, 
you know, just these one or two degree of separation away. And it was so cool to always see that. And I, a lot of people call me a connector. I, right. I mean, I'm, I'm just a guy where when I meet you and I start, I start kind of getting to know you and I start finding out what you like yeah. and how you express yourself, I'm immediately thinking, who can I introduce you to? Well, we got to establish it. Do you want to be the connector or do you want to be a... Jeff, the socialite, you know, which one, which one do you prefer? What's the difference? Is there a really fine line between those I, two? I guess or there, could, there could be a very fine line. The socialites I've met, yeah. They think, you know, it's their God-given power to say, oh, hey, you know this other person? You're like, oh, no, but a socialite says, I, I prefer connector. Connector, I prefer, yeah. yeah, Jeff, the connector. I mean, it's... I've been called that good. by several different people who don't know each other. Yeah. Like, 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 wow, you are really a good connector. So, so Alana and Mike, yeah, who you met recently, yeah, become one of my favorite new couples around here. Yeah. And we were sitting at your bar and yeah. she looked over at me. She goes, you know, Mike and I were talking after the last time we went out and we've decided that you're the best connector we've ever met. <laughs> like you're just, it's so natural for you just to want to bring people together like that. I'm like, thank there, you. I think that's, that's where the fine line is. The connector is the natural it's it's already bespoke. It's it's tailored within you. Yeah. Maybe the socialites, the forced side, you know, <laughs> walk you around the room and and parade you off like you know. Right, because I'm a huge introvert. So where yeah. all this comes from, I have no idea. Yeah. At any rate. Um. So all right, let's see. Where do we where do we go from here? Um. Oh, I want to get back into music again a little bit. I want to talk a little bit more about your classical training okay. and you being a trumpet player. Talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. Sure. Um. I mean, to not like, you know, sort of make it some chronological thing. My parents were ever musicians. I mean, they they played a little bit here and there. When I was a kid, there was, you know, a trombone down in the basement, but, you know, it was tarnished and rusty. They Then, you know, there was never, like, any push, like, Aaron play. I mean, growing up for me, though, like, I think the majority of why music became such a great draw for me was... I don't know, I think the possibilities. And as a kid, like, with my medical condition and stuff, you know, there are a lot of things I couldn't necessarily do. You know, like contact sports and everything. I had to find some sort of outlet. So I'm glad that it happened. But the background I think you're asking about is, you know, I you know, found myself, you know, in, in Mason, Ohio, which is where I grew up, that was becoming this sort of booming little town itself. The schools were getting massive, but the band program was really good. And I found myself just further loving it more and more. Found myself going to school in Boston at a place called the New England Conservatory, which before I even auditioned there, and I guess it's probably because maybe I call like a like that Midwestern blindness, I was unaware of some of these schools on the coastal sides that were just powerhouses. They're yeah. just great yeah. institutions, right? And I'm glad that I had somebody to say, you know, a, a kid, that my best and worst influence growing up. He went to Juilliard for trumpet. So, you know, I had auditioned there, auditioned other places, and I found, you know, myself being accepted into some of these schools. Uh, so, yeah, my background is, you know, go, I would say it started there. This is where I say, like, I became a man. Mm. Having people around you that had a dedicated self, purposeful, dedicated passion to practice and and uh, you know have the respect for what they were doing 
Yeah. And that's, yeah. it was huge for me because at that time, you know, being as we all, everybody has been, and if you're not, you will get there, but to be that young minded, but you know, 17, 18, 19 year old trying to figure out what the hell you're going to do in your life. Yep. I knew exactly what I was going to do when I was 11. Wow. Second, I picked up the trumpet. Wow. I just, I felt it, you know? Uh, so that turned me from, like you said, being an introvert for yourself a little bit that turned me from you know even though the musical life you know so my background is in orchestral classical trumpet uh and i just love the sounds there's like nothing better than sitting in an orchestra you know it's like it's the best seat in the house when you're not even playing you know you got 200 bars rest or that infamous word tacit on a movement you don't have to do (laughs) shit you're sitting there it's amazing it's incredible. It's almost better than playing. And but because of my music, I found myself performing in Thailand, teaching in Panama, uh, to being, you know, invited to Germany to live for some time, to play with some orchestras and operas and uh in places in Salzburg to I don't know, just meeting a lot of colorful characters. I don't know. I keep saying the word characters. Maybe it's like my Sunday, <laughs> my Sunday word. But it's your Sunday word. Yeah. My okay. background, my background is is that music, but the music in the way that they expect you to, you know, be in a room for six, seven hours a day, practicing. Yeah. You know, very autonomous lifestyle, self discipline. Yeah. Which I, I still to this day am working on that idea of you know self discipline. You know. It is. Yeah, it's one of those things, and I can I, I can go through through ebbs and flows with that, where I'm just so super focused on so much, and I have that discipline. But then I'll come to points in time where I find myself losing that focus and realizing that I have to get back to it somehow right. or another. And sometimes it's a struggle. Yeah, do you, I mean for you for yourself? Do you have like a some sort of prescribed? I mean, so of course you're you're older than I am, so you know that through your years of maybe lacking that or I wouldn't say lacking it feeling the feeling the depleting uh, discipline and kind of going out as you started so strong do you have like this regimen or anything to that that you'll know will work every time do you have like a foolproof not really but I but I think because I have been around for a little bit and and you know like you I've I've lived and worked in several different places not internationally like you have but but I have gotten on big jet airliners and traveled all around the world and worked with major corporations everywhere and yeah. I ask a lot of questions because you know I'm a, I'm a researcher and I'm a user experience architect I think I, I think the biggest thing out of that is that I don't realize it too late hmm I'll kind of start getting off track and I realize pretty quickly that I'm not where I should be and I can get back to it. And sometimes it's just as simple as acknowledging that. Yeah. It's not even, it's, yeah, it's not even getting off track. You know, it's like someone like the horse blinders, Mm -hmm. that hyper focus as the peripheries are kind of opening up a little wider. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that would work for me. My God, I do not have any sort of, I just, I, I don't. And I realized every time I've tried to come up with like a, a plan or some, you know, kind of like, you know, like the doomsday book and, you know, some of the movies, I don't know, it was a Dr. Strangelove, you know, how, yeah. you know, they had that, 
backup plan, pulling out the book and right. looking through it. Every time I've tried to establish one of those, it's just, it's all gone to shit every time. Hmm. And it wasn't the implementation of it. It wasn't that I, I couldn't get it started. I'd always write that book in my mind or, you know, even come up with my own journals or just regimens. I've, I'd always followed it through and through, but I found myself meeting a burnout that instead of saying, oh, I still enjoy practicing. I still like you. I, you know, like I'm just not going to paint for a while because it's uh, now it's frustrating me. You're always going to meet frustrations and something sure. that you care about, right? Sure, always, yeah, right. Even with the bartending and everything, now the cocktailing, the inspiration, or the ideas, it does it does come and go. But the only thing that I've found out for me is the more I've tried to have a process to to realize I'm going off the tracks, it was almost like a self fulfilling prophecy for me because I mm. knew it was happening and mm. therefore it would. Yeah. So I basically just, and it does not work for all. It almost will sound like some like, I don't know, like free, freeloading hippie sort of philosophy. But if I know it's coming, I just, I, I, I accept that feeling. Yeah, yeah. And instead of meeting it with regret or anger because it happened, which most of the time people feel, right? And you shouldn't. So you're heading in the right direction already. Yeah. But I mean, but it, but it happens. It's a natural sort of discourse. Yeah. And when I used to get angry and all the stuff that, you know, my plans weren't working, then <laughs> it would get worse. Yeah. So I've learned, I guess I've learned to lessen the blow of it. You and sit so, back, and, you breathe deep, you kind of, you kind of feel into it. Yeah. Beating yourself up about stuff yeah. like that doesn't work at all. Right. It's, it's, it's actually very counterproductive to do that. So, right. so being able to sit within that, and if that's a period of indecision or whatever it is, being able to sit in that and acknowledge right. that that's where you are and not beat yourself up, that's a very powerful life skill. Yeah, I, well, thanks. I mean, it, it, sometimes it doesn't necessarily feel that way because there's also that other side of, you know, there, there's the other side of that blade of the sword. Everything's a double-edged sword. I, yeah. I, I've yet to find something that's single-minded. But the other one is, is getting on Instagram, you know, and seeing everybody working out and showing off that, <laughs> excuse right. my French, that fucking best life. Yeah, yeah. You know, which oh, yeah. already causes problems for me in my mind. But yeah. but there is something that they have right about that. And that's, you know, you'll see in their 30-paragraph thing, which they could have just, you know, had some, in some sort of summation of three sentences. Like, I didn't want to go to the gym today, but I got myself up and I did it. In a way that, and you that know what? Is, I've I've never thought about this before until you but said that. that. Is, but that's that's a real thing. Like it's, yeah. it's simple, but again, thinking about going and implementing whatever it is that you've had to do, whether it's playing your instrument or yeah. working on cocktail ingredients or painting or what you say, user arts experience, like this interactive side. If you just mm -hmm. sometimes get up and do it and don't think it's so daunting, yeah. it ends up becoming a pretty good day. You know what? What, what just hit me about the way you explained how people do that on Instagram? <laughs> well, no, think about this. Think yeah. about this. So I don't mean to laugh. That it, it, might be a way. That, that like, They might be journaling. That yeah. might be their choice of a way to journal their experiences. Right. I, I mean, and you know what? I found out, too, and maybe I think this is why. Maybe this is too much of the rabbit hole, but huh, 
here you are, folks. You get a little bit into my brain. You find out that it's a little <laughs> That's bit That's what deeper. this is all about, man. You find out it's That's a little bit more all about. cavernous than most. <laughs> I found out that there is a book called the DSM Manual, the Diagnostic Statistic yep. Manual. And they're on their, what, fifth or sixth edition now? Yeah. So when I was finishing up my degree, I found out I couldn't write papers, like English papers for shit. Terrible. Crazy anxiety. So the dean of the college was like, hey, you can take science and everything as long as some like writing aspect to it so lab reports or psychology was great just aced the hell out of it but i had the psychology class i learned about the dsm manual and it was the year and when the way that they describe um this book basically describes uh was it mental illnesses basically more mental from people with autism I, i like average iq to you know, any sort of structure. So they have that bell curve. So here's your line, and then you have your bell curve, and anything that falls in means that uh, majority of people have this feeling or mental whatever similar, then therefore it's not an issue. Mm. Prior to the 2013, apparently being a narcissist was a diagnosable psychological thing illness wow but it's not anymore it's not because, because so many people are narcissistic well, well well i mean yeah it sounds you uh, know it sounds terrible now right <laughs> i know so many people you've heard it everyone Jeff. so many people are narcissistic but in reality now no less people think more about others <laughs> than they do themselves and but i guess maybe this what i'm saying is this maybe there's a, a positive to it this journaling this exposure the social journaling yeah that we just you know if somebody said i got you know went didn't feel like going to the gym today you know here they are with their 15 photos or whatever it is but sometimes seeing that can either just be ah, oh, you're full of shit the other person you know laying in bed like i'll get up later and do whatever i need to do or whatever you know what i mean delaying procrastinating mm-hmm. or some people are like, you know what? Damn it, you're right, mm-hmm. and they just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some people, it can be very empowering watching that stuff. For other people, it can be very disempowering. Like, I am never going to be able to do that, right? Why should I even try? Right. We get to that. I, it's the whole victim mentality thing, and I'm actually writing about that right now in a book that's almost finished. Oh yeah, what's the on on, on how to make the tough decisions? Oh, okay. So I break it down into several different main categories and. Uh, Talk about wants versus needs and a bunch, bunch yeah. of stuff. Okay. Well, let's go back again. We're going we're gonna to rewind just a little bit because you talked about how you have a really difficult time with, with certain sorts of disciplines like that. Yeah. So now you're in this position where you're a manager, yeah. a bar manager, for arguably one of the best bars in Cincinnati. And, and I, I will vote you guys to the top every time I have a chance. Well, thanks. Much appreciated. And I'm going to plug you a little bit now, too, because, <laughs> because you know, not only are you this fantastically creative bartender, but you're a really cool dude, too. And, you know, that's why, that's why you and I, I think, have, yeah. have struck up this friendship. And yeah. we did Alchemy Fest together, and you talked to me a lot about that, and you were asking me a lot of questions. So you were really involved in this, mm-hmm. which showed how much you paid attention to that kind of stuff mm. and how serious you were about it. I mean, we knew it was going to be a lot of fun as well. Right. So 
a little bit of a lack of discipline or, or, or not knowing how to be disciplined in some right. respects. Right. But now you're managing a bar yeah. and you're training people who have no experience. And we just talked about this interview you had today, and it's quite possible that you'll have somebody that you'll bring on that you think yeah. will be a good fit. So, yeah, yeah, of course. So you have to find those people with the right type of mentality and the right type of... They, they, they have to be somebody who can, who can talk to people like you do and find out what people want and give them what they want and make the experience great. So what are you, you going to do now then? I mean, what mm. type of discipline is it taking you to be a <coughs> really good bar manager at Comfort Station? Yeah. You know, honestly, to answer your question, honestly, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I've, I'm still working on that. Um, you know, I find myself going through times and sometimes I don't think that might be like a discipline thing in that regard. And I guess the discipline I was speaking about prior always kind of felt that with my music. When I had things to do all the time, I would again practice for five, six, seven hours a day, no problem. But like when COVID hit, the getting up and to play and to continue without, I'm not saying for like an outcome, like I needed that. But, but I needed a reason to get up and play. So that would be more of a driving thing. So like an inner discipline is different. I'm not to say like I'm worse than most, but it's something lately I'm focused on, especially with my job. So to answer your question is, I mean, I guess you have to recognize that, you know, like I recognize that I'm only as, as strong as some of my liabilities. Yeah. And if I know that I have a knack to... Maybe put some flavors together for bring like cocktailing, right? Coming up with cocktails. That's just one. I would say it's a sliver of an aspect of of this whole experience being in a bar. Hmm. It's like 90, 95% hospitality. The talks yeah. that you and I had, the, the questions you were like, wow, like, why is Aaron even asking these? It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really happen all the time. But I'm kind of a weird dude, you know, like I just. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I've been lucky, you know, to just have a very colorful life so far. Yeah. And and to be able to think about some of those things. So when it comes to teaching and, and managing others, are I don't want them to think like me. It would just be morose and just all homogenized. I, do, I don't want them to to think the way that I do. Because then guess what? If they all followed on the same, like, mental cycle, then, you know, for the whole month of December, man, that bar would be really depressing. Yeah. People would be, you know, <laughs> down. So I, I see people's strengths, and I want to build them up, you know, and I've learned that through, you know, critiquing or, you know, sitting in trumpet class with, you know, 12 of your other colleagues that are just incredible players and having to play the same thing each and then you get advice sometimes it really sucks depending on how you played and you know and that's the way i treat my i don't want to call them like subordinates that's why i treat my coworkers. yeah yeah these people that have become close enough to be friends to you know even with like you know having this tiering sort of management or whatever i'm still behind the bar bartending they still get to see me with my faults yeah. Or certain things, you know. So I, I see them for who they are sometimes. I let them show who they are to me. Yeah. What they are sort of expecting and looking for. If they're really focused on cocktail creation 
then I like, then I know that will be a strength of theirs because they already care. So it's just a matter of time. So then I talk to them about, you know, making more than one or two drinks at a time, how to make that guest experience cool. Yeah. Like, you know, like, what does it do as I do as I say, not as I do sort of ordeal. So I think, you know, sometimes it's teaching as well. If they know me well enough and they see my faults. Yeah. Then maybe they could see that as well and, and learn from it. Well, and it, it's 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 cool to watch them back there with you too, because I've mm. you know I which I don't get to see. Yeah, I'm I'm in it. You know exactly. You're in it. You're in the middle of it. But yeah. you know, from from my eyes, they really respect you. Well, and thanks. I, I you know I hope so. I respect that. No, hell they out do. Of them, they know? do. I mean, I mean, you you should see some of them back there. The way they interact with you, and when you're doing yeah. something, and they'll come and they'll they'll talk to you about it, or you'll have them do something like they do a little bit of a mini prep, like Colton yeah. did last night. Colton prepped something for you last night, and then oh, you did something else with it. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Uh, my God, what was it? No, it's it's just like that late night biz. Yeah. Well, they've been wanting to work on. Uh, you know, Colton is huge on cocktail creation. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where sometimes you have to curb the appetite. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I want them to know. I want them, I'm just not going to immediately say like, hey, your cocktail idea is just shit. Mm-hmm. It's an easy thing to do sure. once you've made it. You know sure. you know this or anybody else knows this. Everybody out there listening, the, f- the further you sort of go up that ladder whatever it is work or social or yeah everybody becomes you know everyone's own worst critic you know sure. not even to yourself but to just everyone else judging and yeah. coming from that top yeah so you, and you've seen that i mean and you've seen I've me seen make it. some drinks and you've seen them bouncing back and forth uh-huh. the, i guess the point is i want them to be creative i want yeah. them to taste the drink to build their own palate yeah. you know and so, yeah, we'll go back and forth. I'll be like, hey, you know, like, the ideas are great, but yeah. what, are you, what are you doing with this exactly? Does it, is, does it seem solid or to you? Like, how, it's, I don't want to knock them down. I want them to succeed, you know? Yeah. And, and what was also cool the one night is when the one little bartender was out sitting next to me at the bar that one night. Yeah. And we started talking about the drink that she was coming up with. Ah, uh, dark haired? Yeah. Yeah, Marissa. Yeah. And you said, and you said, <laughs> Come back here and make it for Jeff. Yeah, just go back. And it was awesome. She had, but but you should have seen the way she looked. You should yeah. kind of looked at you. She was like, yeah. wow, really? Seriously? Yeah, quit yeah. talking about Just make it. Come let's back go. and make it. Yeah, let's go make and it. And man, her eyes lit yeah. up and she went back there and I watched her doing this. Yeah. And she was so into doing that cocktail Yeah. for 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 both of us. But for everybody there, oh yeah, because I mean, because she really wanted to she really wanted to please you, yeah. and make sure that, that that you understood how she was yeah. working on this. But she wanted to please yeah. me too right. with right. a really good drink. Well, I think that comes. I don't even think it's a matter of pleasing the other person. I think that it all comes to like this. I mean, it sounds a little selfish, but you know, they've gone through their whole idea of this drink, right? Mm-hmm. And. You can tinker with it and tinker with it, and sometimes you'll leave it be and come back to it and make it and everything else. So to have that opportunity where you've worked something to, let's say, a, a popular viewing uh, point so yeah. someone else can taste it. You feel yeah. good enough that you can present or give someone this drink, this piece of art or something, right? and say, hey, or my playing, hey, I want you to listen to this. Tell me what you think. That means that you've gained enough thick skin to yeah. to uh, let 
the unknowing berating or just the good compliments happen. Yeah. And the thing that I realized, uh, you know, with certain people, yeah, like Marissa needed to make that drink. Mm-hmm. She's going to talk about it. Just make it. Let it speak for itself. Yeah. And I think the cool thing about that is when you see these people, like you said, you know, they got really excited, eyes lit up. That's because they just get the opportunity to, to do it for themselves, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because once it's made the menu or once it hasn't or something, you know, like sometimes it's gone and you don't always have that. Right. But, I mean, you're great in that sense because what do you, I mean, you. I know you've seen the menu. Mm-hmm. I've got regulars that have never seen our menu. Mm-hmm. They just come in, they get their beer, and they're like, wow, you guys are making a hell of a lot of cocktails today. <laughs> well, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Like, we are. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> yeah. You know, and here's here's the shameless plug. You know, like, Esquire awarded our bar one of the top 27 That's in America for it. 2021. Yep. I don't say that I have anything to do with that. You know, I, it's almost like a happy accident that I was, I was there. Yeah managing or getting into yeah, yeah. it. All right. But I think it has more to do with the people that are around. He's being really modest right now. No, I, 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 I truly, I think that's, that's Aaron. He's a very modest <laughs> guy. I, I, I know. I truly, I just, I don't think, you know, one person has the ability to carry all that weight on their shoulders. No, I agree. The agree. guests, the people coming in or like Marissa making that drink, you seeing Colton or, you know, Dean, yeah. Or, you know, I know a lot of these people who who don't know who I'm speaking about. These are all my coworkers that, you know, we've come back post-COVID and, you know, we're a two-well bar. And we, at the most, I think at one time, we had like 13 or 14 employees. Mm. 14. Mm. I'm sitting here like thinking, shit, like, I'd be happy to have eight. Wow. You know, and I think at the time, I think right now we do. I think we have eight. And I just had an interview for someone back else. Back eight, yeah. You know, yeah. uh, so I mean, I digress. The point is, is what's made this bar special, and I think given people a little bit more pep in their step yeah. to want to make these drinks or mm. to want to impart something. You know, like it's a cool spot. It's, it's very because eclectic. Well, it's because yeah, it's eclectic because of the people that come in and everybody else. Yes, I do have a part of it, but I just order the booze and I sort of set an expectation about you know whatever, but. Yeah, but if they aren't excited about it, then I'm not doing my job. So, right, right, yeah, right. maybe creating or establishing that excitement to or care for what it is that we do for you guys to come in to yeah. be a little less introverted or yeah, you know, to I think that that's what makes it special. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's cool. And and you've opened your doors for a lot of different types of people, and I've met some super cool people there already. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, as you know me, I, I, if I see somebody, I start talking to somebody. Jeff, right, Jeff the Connector. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the dude with the really cool hat on the one night. It was like, oh man, I got to talk to him, man. So, yeah, and then I saw him at Somerset. With yeah. another equally cool hat on uh, about two weeks after that. Oh, oh, you're talking about the uh, nice Asian gray beard. Guy. Wait, gray beard? African American dude, gray beard, about your height. Always wears a, a a denim jacket and these super cool hats, man. Oh, I don't know. Then maybe oh. I've missed it. Ah, uh, now I've you missed it. you've seen him before. Yeah, yeah, you've seen him before. I'll I'll, I'll point him out next time. Okay, if, if, if we're in there. Oh, for a second, I thought you were talking about this uh, guy from Thailand that comes in. He has this very cool like a uh, i'd say like urban cowboy like john wayne meets huh i don't know city slicker gotta meet him huh? from Ty- yeah it's great mike is awesome oh very uh, cool very yeah, cool awesome but, okay 
All right, so we're going to change gears a little bit now. And one of the other things that we talk about a lot in this uh, podcast, we talk about wins and we talk about losses. Mm. And we talk about the things that we learned out of those wins and losses. Um, Several guys that I've interviewed have said, I don't think about anything as a failure. Mm. These are all learning experiences for me. But somehow or another... Something happened that didn't go the way you planned for it to go. So let's start off that way. Let's take a look at some of these challenges that you had, some things that you think maybe, man, I made the wrong decision there. But then let's let's talk about that. And then let's talk about how you came back from that. So think think of a good one for us. I mean, I don't think it necessarily pens down to one personal thing, but if you're talking like wins or losses... I can think for myself finding a career in, in the orchestra world. Then you have to, you know, everybody's seen The Voice, that show, like, a, you know, chairs are behind you, they press a button, they turn around, swivel, and make it all grandiose. But for as long as I've been a musician in the orchestra world, that is how we have our job interviews. Hmm. There's a carpet on the floor. There, you know, you can't tell what kind of shoes someone's wearing. You're a number walking up to the deli counter, ready to be sliced and diced. <laughs> so wins and losses is when you have over the years very, very minimal job openings for trumpet. Mind you, everybody here, like I just said, I had when I was going to school as a freshman. There's twelve of us in our, you know, freshman to masters. There's twelve. The average amount of trumpet players in an orchestra that they hire full-time, of the full-time orchestras here, which I don't know the number now, but I, I would probably dare to say not more than 40 in the whole United States, full-time. Wow. That could support you all the way through. That means in those 40, there's three full-time trumpet players. Hmm. Probably less, maybe two. Some like We're lucky in Cincinnati, like you see four. But we have a crazy good arts scene. So going back to these wins and losses, when you find over the years that you see five or six people retiring, you get ready and go for these jobs. And you know, you're feeling gung-ho. You've printed off all your repertoire. You've put it in the binder. You're waking up at 6 a.m. when you never should have in the first place because you fell asleep at 4. You know, and then you run, and then you get up and practice or whatever the hell it is. I think the the losses part is getting so beat down by not advancing through your rounds. So you're always, you start in your preliminary behind a curtain. They ask you to play a few. Some people, the the worst one that I had ever had, and I, I guess I've been lucky. I haven't had like shameful auditions, but I've heard stories. But I remember playing two excerpts and just being like, thank you from the committee. And you're like, really? Like, I flew all the way out to, you know, Charlotte, North Carolina. And here I am. And I've got another day in this hotel room. And I just disappointed my whole family. You know, like, it's those feelings. And when it happens more and more, you just feel like you're never good enough. Mm-hmm. You know? And for me, that really got me. Mm. And not to the point where I ever felt like, oh, I'm giving up. 
because then always there was some like so some sort of like silver lining. But I mean, I will say you will always learn more in your losses than you will your wins. I mean, that's how like when you say that people you've interviewed probably said I haven't had that many failures. The only real failure is if you don't like choose to learn from why that loss happened. Right. It's always easy to blame something or someone else, but you know, looking yep. inwards and being like, hey, <laughs> like, being accountable. I, I messed this one up here. Taking responsibility for yeah, it. Yeah, I think the moment you accept that responsibility, I mean, then, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a breakup. You know, if you, if you own the breakup, if you own the responsibility, it's going to get easier quicker rather right. than, right. you know, drudging it out. Yeah. So yeah, for me specifically, like, I remember that one. I don't think it was Charlotte, but you know, like any city in the U.S. I remember playing every day. Oh my God, Jeff! I think I had done this more. Like I had actually become like the perfect version of myself. Waking up early, running, not smoking cigarettes. You know, like eating healthy. <laughs> you know, not hanging out late night. And I felt so good. And then I go to this audition and I play two excerpts. And I'm done. There's no, there's no, uh, you know, callbacks. Then I just remember that one like really hitting hard for me because I, ah, I know exactly. Yeah. I mean, my friend had just the one, a guy that I went to school with that oddly, and this, these are one of the things like you say about, you know, like being modest or whatever, you know, I had a, a colleague that, would always say like you know you shouldn't be as good as you are and I always sit there and be like what the hell does that even mean but really it was this guy practiced twice as much as I did but I didn't you know it, it depends on it's it's the quality of your practice and your structuring rather than the yeah. quantity yeah I learned that very early on very early on because I had great teachers mm-hmm. you know people in the Boston Symphony you know like just incredible yeah. Musicians that don't bullshit you. Yeah. So this guy finally got his structure together and won a job. And I wanted to go out there and, and play and be like, hell, I can sit next to someone I went to school with. And, you know, somebody that turned into be a good friend and the people that we challenged each other, you know, and yep. pushed each other and, oh, shat the bed. And I just remember leaving that and just thinking, yeah. you know, if I if I can't figure out how to audition, it's not it's not a matter of playing the trumpet. If I can't figure out how to audition hmm. to take these big pieces of larger works to these to, to turn them into small sentences, these excerpts, yeah, to, and tell people that you can play all these things with just the fewest amount of words, hmm. you know, fewest amount of notes. That's really cool. It's a very difficult process because after you're done with that audition, Jeff. And if you win that job, you will never play like that in a concert or performance ever in your life the way that you played that audition. Except for, you know, being in time and in tune and, you know. But it's music, you know. So for me, the, the, the losses were really the, the consistent five or six auditions I think I had in one year. And just, <laughs> yeah, did not... That's tough. Did not go well. But, you know, the following year, I'd, when I was living in Europe, I uh, had auditioned for three orchestras. And their structure is a little bit different how you audition, but, it, you know, it's still playing and still behind a curtain, a lot of similarities. Yeah. I was making the finals. I was, yeah. 
you know, I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, I had the oh shit factor. I always say there's like two types of oh shits. There's like the oh shit, and then there's oh shit, yes, you know. Yeah. And that was happening. Granted, I was going to win one job, but then I didn't have like that visa status or something. And, you know, we spoke through it and everything. You know, I totally got it. But but it feels good to know you like you're on that winning side. Sure does. But, you know, uh, yeah, I mean. Sure it does. It never feels good to win if you always win, you know. <laughs> right. It kind of loses the lust. Yeah, right? there's no, there's, yeah, there's tarnish anyway. It's just, no, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when you do have that loss, fucking A, like it's. That's a loss and it hurts. So for me, it was it yeah. was it was this constant uh, that one year, five or six auditions. Yeah. Well. Okay. All right. So now we're going to move into so you know this is called Sage Warrior Gentleman, and it has to do with with what I believe are some really strong traits in modern men today. Hmm. It's a different world than it was back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, right? I mean, things are nuts right now. But still, I think a really strong man has certain traits. So I'm going to mention a couple of these traits that that I think and see what you think about them. If any of these are things that you think are really strong for you Hmm. or you like to embody or maybe even one that you want to get better at, let's talk about that. Or if there's a different one that you think, let's talk about that too. Okay. Okay. So... um, my short list here is leadership, honor, integrity, confidence, mm. and compassion. Mm. Any of those ring a really strong bell for you? I mean, all of them. I mean, for to go start from backwards, you know, from the very end, because compassion, I mean, I don't actually think that that might be a word that maybe was synonymous with being a gentleman back then. I mean, I don't know. You know, maybe it's new for us. You know, of course, you have compassion or, you know, for your other, you know, compatriots or whatever. But, you know, I think a lot of people growing up is like what it means to be a man is like, you know, dog eat dog world, like big eat small for for some of it. I'm not saying that's everything that we've learned. But, you know, the, the compassion part, I think, was a small percentage that was reserved for a few, like family, rather than others. So I think we're extending ourselves, like, to being more compassionate now, lending the ear, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be me behind the bar being that unlicensed therapist or, you know, you, <laughs> you, know, you guys going elsewhere. Uh, but, yeah, I think, I think it's becoming a little bit more compassionate or, say, more ear lending. You get a chance to, to listen um, for compassion and uh, what? So we had leadership, leadership, honor, integrity, and confidence. Ah, oh, confidence. Damn, I got to work on this one every day. Leadership and confidence. Leadership. I've got certain traits that I've learned over the years with my orchestra experience. The less talking you do, the more playing you do. Well, people will tend to listen to you more. And being a trumpet player sitting in the back row and with my luck in my life playing first trumpet in, you know, my colleges, but also first trumpet elsewhere, you're the one that sets the tone. You you set the back row up for success or failure. Hmm. So if you don't capture individuals with your playing or how you go about it, then you're then then you lost them. Yeah. And I think that's what leadership is, is Really more so, 
captivating the audience on the other side to keep the respect or belief that you have or that you do have that compassion, integrity, and honor for them as well. And so honor, I mean, honor for me is an easy thing because I push people that should be pushed. The ones that do certain things well, I'll push them harder than others because, you know, they're going to need it. Sure. But also, you know, the integrity that might, I think that might be like if I were to have a, a strength amongst all, I would, I think my integrity of what I do and my follow through with at least implementing the, 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 the mental part, Yeah. you know, sometimes not being there is a little difficult, but when you, if you do it well, then maybe, yeah, but I have, I have a lot of integrity, you know, mm-hmm. for, for my job and I want to make sure that whatever that is, how it shows is that I treat everybody like who they are. Yeah. Like one of the biggest compliments we ever got was when we finally got this, it wasn't the Esquire word. I would say the biggest compliment. I mean, for me, I mean, it's a great accolade really. Sure. It truly is. Sure it is. It's a high honor, high respect. But I remember seeing these two lines of just at least a hundred people standing for two wells, two bartenders, you know, we can't stack any more behind there, you know? Yep. And I remember seeing this one guy have the biggest smile on his face for like 20 minutes. And he came up and he was, uh, you know, he stood between both Dean and myself. He said, hey, I want to let you guys know that no one here in this line has huffed and puffed or anything else complaining they have to wait 15 minutes for a drink. He's like, we all know you're busy. He's like, but every person, he goes, and for me and why I'm saying this is, Every person knows that when they come up here, that it's going to be their moment and their time with you, and you make them feel special, and you don't give them like this generic corporate bullshit. Yeah, you know, that was like one of the best compliments I'd ever heard. That's awesome. But I think that comes with integrity, yeah. having the care for what it is that you do, and showing that you know it's it's like on your sleeve. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, those those are. I mean, leadership probably lacking more so in some ways for the modern gentleman mm-hmm. back then i think it might have been a little easier i'm not sure mm-hmm. yeah honor and integrity oh always right yeah those are the two biggest ones but it's hard to keep that honor or integrity uh i think actually it's kind of good now because you have a, we we're talking about instagram or social media you got exposure yeah for everything so you got to make sure that you know you walk the walk and talk the talk yeah uh, confidence. I mean, that's also a huge thing. Now we were talking about like the discipline and, you know, just getting up or doing something. Sometimes, like you said, not being afraid of being bad at it. Mm-hmm. You know, confidence is gained more so than I, even me saying it now, it's like, well, I should probably go home and think about that a little bit more too. Like <laughs> confidence, confidence is one of those things. It's it's gained. It's not given from others. It's not. It is something that's that's internal, and you you bring it every day. I see you mm. all the time. I mean, I, let's even go back to Alchemy Fest again for just a second. Sure. And Alana and Mike, like when I said, let's go to Comfort Station, and they were like. Oh, that's where Aaron works, isn't it? 
I, yeah. I mean, I mean, you became like their favorite dude. Oh well, there's no. Well, it's easy because they're super. super sweet people. <laughs> you know? Super, super, super. But when I yeah. said, "Let's go to Comfort Station," right. and they said. Is that where Aaron works? And I go, yeah. I go, hold on, let me text him and see if he's working. So yeah. I texted you, you answered me right back. He'll be there in a little bit, guys. We're going to Comfort Station, right? right? And they were so happy that we were uh-huh. going to come out and see well, you. Well, you know, the reason, I've, I've seen them once before. I think maybe Sundry and Vice, the other bar that's in our company, where I kind of cut my teeth cocktailing. But well, I think what caused that, actually, I don't. it might have been a little confidence, but actually it was me being a little pissed off. And that was when I was getting behind the bar and getting set up for Alchemy Fest. It's not to like, you know, put others down by any means. The whole point of bartending is to, again, it's 90%, 95% hospitality and the, la- the latter is the drink. That hospitality and experience all the way through is, you know, only everything. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, but if you had a, if you had a beer, a cheap $3 beer at my bar or a $12 cocktail and if I changed myself depending on what you were drinking that nah, it doesn't feel good right that's like, your integrity you just have yeah I mean it's it's the same you would enjoy that beer that beer would taste a little bit better even though yep. you know it's not your typical yep because of the people know that you know like again I know that when you see me outside of the bar and I don't change it's probably it's, it's exhausting but to go back to Elena and Mike, again, with not changing, I, I got a little pissed because we were all setting up and they were staring as if they wanted to know what we were doing, but no one engaged. Hmm. And so I just kind of like, look, you know, I, I wanted to make sure I got some my stuff looking like I was, you know, taken care of. And but after like, you know, five, ten minutes and I just went over there, I was like, oh, you guys are here for, you know, the alchemy fest or this and that. And they were like, oh, well, you know, like we're kind of just here. But yeah, what's you know, what's going on? And I just poured in my Bloody Mary before the whole competition thing even kicked off. And I was like, well, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Everybody's making something, and then they're going to be judged on it. And they moved on, you know. Yeah. yeah. Like my whole life in the orchestra audition, you know. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be judged on something, critiqued, and moved on. And if it's worthy, then we keep going. Well, they, like, like, like halfway through the middle of it, I went over and talked to them, and they said, Chef, we had no idea what was going to go on here. Yeah. But we're bringing back, like, eight other couples to the next one. Yeah. And, you know, because they were, because they were one of my platinum ticket holders, yeah. they got to come up and make bitters with me. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So they came up. I invited a couple more people. We had a little cocktail party around it. Oh, super They made cool. their bitters. And you theirs. hosted that at uh, Arts on the Ave? No, right here. Oh, here in your place? Right here. Oh, cool. And... So we we still haven't had a chance to get together, but but they want to come back up. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna test all the bitters, no. and we're gonna come up with some cocktails for it. Like like this will go better with bourbon. Use this with this. Yeah. Use this with this, and come up with some cool stuff. Yeah. We were gonna do it Friday night, but it just it just didn't just didn't work out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they had the best time coming up here. Yeah. <laughs> they were into it. Yeah. I took all those boxes in there of all the stuff. Yeah, put everything out on the floor, and they just hunkered down on oh, the floor. I bet you they were just like, my God, I had no idea. All oh, this were. goes into it. They were, they were, and I gave them yeah. notepads, and we have their recipes yeah. all written out yeah. in, a, in a Google Docs spreadsheet. Yeah and so they've got it so we right. just you know at some point in time we've just got to get together and do it if yeah. we can do it on a night where you can come up too let's let's oh, have you come I'd, up I'd, I'd love to yeah I, I, well let's take this back a little bit to like your you know your five words yep that right there them having the, the regard and respect 
even if they were, you know, they were paying, uh, you know, ticket holders or whatever, but mm-hmm. they bought it because they were interested. Mm-hmm. It's easy to be that sage warrior gentleman when you have people that grant you that audience that you feel that you're worth. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even if it's, you know, people in their mid, like mid forties, get down on their knees looking at gentian root and dried orange peel, but just being <laughs> excited about what it is that you're right. doing. I know right. it sounds facetious, but ah, oh, then you know what? Like the world's your oyster yeah. when that happens. Yeah. It's easy to have every single five descriptors that you just had. Mm-hmm. You know, being a leader by educating, by showing, implementing, or you know, most of my leadership now, I've been finding that. It's Show them what they need. Allow them to make their mistakes and have you know, or whatever yep. the failures. Let them learn yep. by themselves. If yep. I was you know, I'm 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 not some person to suffocate, but still here, going back to have them come out because someone said, "Hey, this is what's going on here." All they wanted was just that time. They want to be seen. They want to be spoken to. They want to have an interaction. Honor it. Have the confidence to do so. You know, and have the integrity to not change who you are one way or another and allow them the same opportunity. Yeah. You know, because when you do that, you do become a leader. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm missing one more word. Uh, let's see what else was in there. Integrity, honor, was, leadership, confidence, and compassion. Oh, compassion. Well, then yeah. that's, well, sorry. That's, that's that it. just goes without saying. No, that's it. Yeah. That's just, that's just tying it all up because when yep. you do that, you extend it. Yep. All right, so what does chivalry mean to you? I mean, chivalry means, you know, I mean, you know, what's the, like the old sayings, you know, speak to people how you'd like to be spoken to or treat others how you would like to be treated. Chivalry extends, I think, a couple of degrees beyond that. Hmm? Not some like Merriam-Webster's dictionary, you know, definition, but chivalry is chivalry is the understanding that, you know, like who you are that you have enough respect for others to do it for them. If people say like, oh, chivalry isn't dead because you opened a door for them, that's a shame to hear in my mind. Hmm. But it is a chivalrous aspect that we have kind of lost. Yeah. Or, you know, or maybe people are like, I can open up my own goddamn door. Like, you know, whatever, sure. Right, right, you know? right, right. <laughs> but, you know, that chivalry is, 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 that, is the maintaining of no matter what mood you're in no matter what day you've had you don't allow your moral high ground to be eroded hmm. you know you you it's still cool. you yeah, know cool i like that yeah you, you still act yeah. the way that you want to act and, and treat others the way you right you feel that they should be you know treated and in a good regard you know to be chivalrous yeah. is to be polite is to yeah you know, and I even, I, I, I took a really cool men's leadership course a long time ago, yeah. but got to make some really, really good, strong connections with some really strong men. And yeah. we were talking about this one day and one guy said, it can even go to who you are as a man. Mm. And when you see a little kid and showing this little kid yourself, like respecting 
this young little person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And and yeah. and smiling at them or saying hello or waving to them yeah. or breaking that 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 invisible barrier and that invisible yeah. wall between you. Yeah, creating that bond a little bit by Exactly. Playing and, on their level. Exactly. And yeah. being that man who would do something like that. Mm. To me that's a little bit of chivalry as well. Yeah. But I mean I'm I'm interested though like First of all, I mean, like a men's leadership class. I feel like that'd be so arbitrary now, even in my liberal arts background. You know, no, I I've had some incredible classes, but I don't think there would be one. I mean, if it's it oh, sounds, this was it sounds this, this too was an entire now. weekend. No, yeah. this was oh, an entire weekend. weekend. This is this oh, is an like immersive. This is an oh, immersive okay, okay. weekend. <laughs> I was saying like oh like a pay to play sort of ordeal. Like come out. Um, no, yeah, uh, this uh, is this is heavy duty hardcore. I got you. Okay, I thought you were talking like a. Here's your trimester class of men's leadership, everybody. And no, your three is... credits are dependent. Your whole idea of masculinity and chivalry is dependent on these three credits and how you treat them. No, you get, and, and, oh, and okay. we even did. I, okay. I, I led what we called the Young Men's Alpha Leadership Quest. I led one in Virginia yeah. while I was there. Yeah. Brought together like 40 men and women and put this weekend on out in the woods for boys mm-hmm. anywhere from 8 to 18 years old. Right. But why? I know that leadership. That, yeah, but compassion. But why teach it if you because you feel like it's lacking elsewhere? It's just it's just something we wanted to do. I, yeah. it, it was just a part of who we were as yeah. as a group of of men and women and, and yeah. people. Collective mindset, exactly. Yeah. And and we had people who gave sponsorship money for for bringing young young boys out from inner city. Okay. And you wouldn't believe the stuff that we heard from their caregivers afterwards. Like some of these kids didn't have parents. Yeah. Some of these kids were, were, were living with aunts and uncles or grandparents. Nice. But the next year when they came well, back again, knowing, there was not a that. dry eye in the entire place. Yeah. There were like stories of how this 10-year-old kid grew up in one weekend out in the woods learning yeah. these leadership skills and yeah. how to lead. Because each one of these kids, no matter how old they were... right. When they would get to a particular station in the woods for this one type of leadership lesson, each kid had to lead. So there were eight-year-old kids leading. Yeah, a group of... Exactly. Wow, eight to 18. With with, with mentors, you know, mentorship involved in this whole thing. So it was was really, really amazing to see this kind of stuff. Well, I would say, yeah, I mean, it is amazing. I think it could, I think it could just completely go all across the board now. Um... You know, like I, I, you know, it's whether if I, it's sometimes like we, I asked yesterday, I had another great compliment. We talked about being a gentleman, that sage warrior thing. Another great compliment I got is this lady said, Hey, I wanted to let you know my friend's not here, but she told me a while ago that in your bar that she was sexually assaulted by someone else and the bartenders behind the bar just heard the woman. She felt safe coming up and saying, this is what happened. She said, and you just immediately kicked this person out, banned them, and said, no, like, sorry, you're not coming back here ever. And just completely took care of the situation. Now, and I'm sitting here in my mind, the way I'm describing just by the way you're looking at me, and it's, well, yeah, no shit. Like, that's what you should do. That's how you should be taking care of matters such as that. Mm-hmm. But the way that she was speaking as if, like, no other place on earth would ever do that. Like, just... She, she was so surprised. I wouldn't say surprised. She was so taken aback that 
it was like a no questions asked. Yeah. That it wasn't like, well, did they, you know, do something to, you know, nothing, right? Right. It was just a, no, all right, her done, taken Boom. care of. Yeah. And I guess it's like a shame when other people say, like, when they were scared to mention something like that or, yeah. you know, this or that. So I think, you know, even more so these leadership skills are to be that gentleman. Or maybe it doesn't even necessarily need to be like a, you know, exclusive to whatever gender stereotype. But I feel like even as a man now, yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people even my age that I see should probably be learning some of those skills and or whatever. Well, because yeah. they probably just need to learn their own accord. Yeah. You know, I can't say that for all of them. but Right. But I think to hear something like that, you know, I looked at her and I wasn't like, oh, my God, that's amazing. I, I was just like... I'm just amazed that you think that, that I'm, I'm sad to hear that that doesn't happen elsewhere. Yeah. And I, it's, I know maybe cause I'm like, I, maybe I'm naive <laughs> Jeff, but like I was sitting there like, you're really thanking me for that or thanking mm. the bar for that. Like yeah. I, that's something I don't think you'd ever have to, you know, it's like, Hey, like you it's did your, safe, you, it's a safe space for yeah, her. It's now. like, well, Hey, you did your job. I appreciate that. I feel safe coming back here. Like, but, but to say, without you even questioning or asking and again this wasn't her it was a friend that she had heard of and she just said hey i wanted to just pay a high compliment to you all this was yesterday hmm. i want to pay a high compliment to you hmm. all she's like i think he was working and like you were working too or you know and i think at that time i had been off i was like well you know like i'm really glad to hear that we did what we were supposed to do as a human being yeah you know yeah see but i that's like the tough part, you know? I, I, well, no, I mean, <clears throat> to you guys, it was, to you guys, it, it was, it was a no questions asked thing. It was, it was, yes, this is exactly what you should do. Yeah, but it's there no are a lot of bars situation. out there who, where, where that would not happen. Well, okay, well then I guess it doesn't because, matter. Because they wouldn't go there. Because I, it doesn't matter, the, it doesn't matter the, the, <clears throat> the, the location then it has maybe to something to do with the collective consciousness it, it does because, you know like because, oh it's, <clears throat> it's not my problem i'm not gonna worry i'm not gonna worry about this so think about it this way though you know and this is exactly the way some people would think about this and why they why they might handle it differently than you guys did yeah. oh gosh i might lose a paying customer oh fuck that right what the hell is that even not now but you have to, but people oh, are, this guy people are really going to well. think that, he depending on where asses. you are. No, I've been to right? I feel like we're beyond that. I mean, I, we whether should people, be we, beyond but that. But I feel like, I feel like we're, be, well, yeah, we should be. But what I mean by like a, we're beyond like the idea of like a monetary value over someone else's yeah, safety you know and or mental health. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes. And especially in a small moment, such as going to a bar and getting a drink. Right. We are not essential workers. We felt that during COVID, but then some people were really like, "Damn, when are the bars are gonna? When are the bars yeah, gonna right. open again?" Right. But you know, it's not to take it to that to that like sort of um, you know degree. But I guess it's it's important to tie it in because you know it, it did happen yesterday. If it would have happened like a few weeks ago, like that compliment, I you know probably wouldn't have brought it up. It's very fresh on my mind because mm -hmm. just as we're talking about, like, wow, like, yeah. And it wouldn't have matter if I if, if if it wasn't my bar, I would have probably tried to kick that guy out too. Yeah, you know, or make it like known because I know some people just I just based off of maybe looks or whatever. 
you know, I, I, I refuse to use certain things because everybody, you know, that are everybody that's listening already can kind of fill in the, the mad lib blanks here, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I don't care what you look like, what you have on, how much you're paying or anything else. Like if you want to, yeah, we're talking about chivalry, right? So yeah. if you hear something about that, you know, that doesn't mean that this person needs to, you know, be beaten to a pulp. Right. But now to say, go do something like you did something wrong. Right. And this is why. Yeah. This is the same reason why you would talk to a kid that way. Yeah. Right. You know, get on their level, play mm-hmm. with them, hang out with them. Be like, Hey, you, yeah. it's because somebody didn't have that moment in time. So maybe these, these leadership, you know, weekend intensive and everything is, I guess we always know there's going to be a gap yeah. and you know, you could take it. You can either allow yourself to know you can do something about it in your own hand with your own time mm-hmm. and your own way or think that, Oh, well then I just hope someone else is thinking the same way I am. Yeah. And that's not always going to happen. Right. It's not nine times out of 10. Yeah. All right, so listen, we're just about towards the end now. I've got one final question, and then we'll do our, our wrap-up. So this final okay. question is, and you kind of, you kind of do this already, but, but take this to a little bit different level, like a lot of the things we've talked about right now. Yeah. If you were to mentor a younger person, mm. where do you think you'd be strongest? What, what would your mentorship look like? Probably a tough love aspect. Hmm. I'm not sure, like, I feel like, you know, to really dig down on that, I don't know, like, this person's, you know, this, if I I was going to mentor someone younger, or just, you mean anybody, or just someone younger? Somebody younger. Somebody younger. I mean, you just have to treat them, you know, don't give them, like, the you know, like the baby voice or like the young kid talk or something like that. You talk to them just as how you normally would. You are always surprised, you know, that children are very responsive and bounce back. I mean, I would just, I would just give them as much as the real truth as I possibly can and not try to protect in many aspects, Mm -hmm. you know, to protect is to make them aware of a lot of things going on. So my strength would probably be like, Hey, this is how I'm going to speak to you because this is what's going on. And I'm choosing to maybe use these words or this tone in a way because it's, it's a serious matter or something. Maybe that would be my strength is, is, is you know, really embedding some of these hard lessons, may, hopefully in an easier way. Yeah. I mean, but I don't know. I mean, I've never, I've always thought about doing like that, you know, like that big brother, big sister thing that they've had mm-hmm. around here and everything. Yeah. yeah. And it's all, you know, it's always been on my mind, but you know, like now my, you know, my, my girlfriend, she has a five-year-old. Yep. Five-year-olds are wild. <laughs> never, you know, I've never really, I've never thought about having kids myself, you know, but I'm, I'm lucky to, you know, have an interaction. I guess I'm doing it now a little bit. I guess, you know, if I'm, you know, mentoring this, her daughter, you know, again, Mentoring is just being real. That's yeah. really it's a it's a nice way of saying being real. Yeah, saying like, hey, you don't do this. Don't be you know, don't be a shitty person to like an eight year old. You have to you know say it differently, of course, right? Right, but, right. But this is like your yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's it's a weird loaded question for me because <laughs> I would want to be you know disciplined and and make you know tell them like, hey, 
don't, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're BSing yourself. If you're acting like this, you're never, right. you're not going to, you know, right. I, I guess it would just be treating them with the respect, listening to them, but also when they do act or if they ask the questions, I'm going to give them a real honest answer. Yeah. I'm not going to protect, you know, mm-hmm. think, telling everybody the world is, you know, wine and roses and right. Or everybody else, everybody that you meet is going to, you know, listen to you or treat you the same. Yeah. You know, I think that would would probably be mine. Cool. My strength. Cool. Good deal. I like it. All right. So, dude, we've had a really, really good conversation here. Yeah. And I really thank you for for being on with me and doing this. I I knew this was going to be a really good conversation between us. I was really looking forward to this. So my final question always Mm. is, is there anything else you'd like to say? Oh, and <laughs> I could be quite the talker, but I guess, uh, yeah, I guess what we've had today, have the conversations. If there's anything that you feel like you're missing or don't have, expose it. Let it be known. Yeah. Have the confidence to take a chance, mm-hmm. you know. If this is the sage warrior gentleman, you're not going to be sage. You're not going to be a warrior if you don't learn how to utilize all these things, you know. And I mean things is, you know, again, very broad, but, you know, all these tools in life, you know, just, uh, you know, have the tough conversations, have the talks. Yeah, that's That needs to happen now, I think, more than anything. Awesome. And if you can disagree with somebody... Yeah. My God, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, it's not. You know. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, <clears throat> this has been Aaron Boyle on with me here. T- um, we'll put a link to Comfort Station in the show notes wow. because we have the whole show notes too. So we'll put that in there. Sure. Give you guys a little plug for that. And uh, thank you again, man. This was oh. a real pleasure for me. Jeff, I really I, appreciate I really, it. thanks for letting me be like the, the first local uh, stepping <laughs> in here. <laughs> This awesome, is a, man. This is a pretty good guinea pig. Uh, yeah. No, no, cool <laughs> stuff. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. Yeah, sure. Cheers, buddy. So thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sage Warrior Gentleman podcast. And remember that you can join us and get a free guide over at sagewarriorgentleman.com. We'd love to have you join our conversation and please help us spread the word if you feel this could help someone you know and care about.